0: For those of you who've been looking for season one of Solar Punk Presence, but haven't been able to find it, here it is. Originally it was published as part of SolarPunk magazine's Solar Punk Futures podcast. We're reposting our episodes on our site to make them easier for you to listen to if you didn't catch them the first time. We hope you enjoy them. Also, don't forget to support us by spreading the word about SolarPunk presence, writing us a review or subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash solarpunkpresence. Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Solar Punk Presence, hosted by Solarpunk Magazine nonfiction editors extraordinaire Ariel Kroon and Christina Della Rocha. Ariel and I will be using this companion podcast to Solarpunk Futures to explore Solarpunk goings-on in the world today. We'll be interviewing all sorts of interesting people who are doing work in the here and now that will help us get to a Solarpunk future. And we'll be talking to each other about the visions of a sustainable, equitable future integral to solar punk, and about issues we're curious about within the movement, or genre, or whatever it is you want to call solar punk. We're kicking off the series with exactly one of these discussions, on the topic of what I like to call, Must Solar Punk Should? Because solar punk is a thing, part genre, part lifestyle, part vision of the future, part movement... Part philosophy and part aesthetic, that is anti authoritarian. But one of its core founding documents aimed for the creation of a manifesto. So we have a bit of a contradiction here. How can you have an anti authoritarian movement comprised of people who feel the need to tell other people what to do? So here's the discussion Ariel and I had. All right, let's get
1: started. So this first episode is a conversation between you Christina and I Ariel and I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you because this is a topic that we have kind of been discussing for a while now and I have thoughts on this and so do you and so yeah uh let's let's just dive right into it uh just so you know this is my voice Ariel <laughs> and Christina.
0: And this is my voice, Christina.
1: Yay! <laughs> okay, so today's episode is going to be a little bit different um, because we're here together, well, virtually together, and we're going to discuss the question that's been at the back of both of our minds for a while, and that
0: question is, must solar punk should? And let's unpack that. So I think you wanted me to start by explaining what I mean by must solar punk should. Yeah, please. Um, Good. So I see solar punk as a colorful beast covered in glittering facets of all shapes and sizes that it has picked up from all over the world, from all sorts of people and all sorts of cultures and incorporated into itself as it evolves. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. (laughs) Sorry, just just wanted to interrupt. (laughs) But that's that's solar punk, right? So it seems to me that in addition to striving to imagine and bring about a more equitable, more just, more economically and ecologically sustainable future for humankind and the earth, several of the key features of solar punk are receptiveness and an open mind, also respect for other people and a willingness to listen to other points of view. So, while yes, some things are completely beyond the pale, Solarpunk is not going to be having discussions over the potential merits of racism or sexism, for instance, but there are a lot of gray areas worth discussing because not everyone who believes in Solarpunk agrees that these things are wrong. And for instance, right. really hot button topics like mm-hmm. Web3, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, and nuclear power, none of which I am endorsing by saying this. Right. But it's weird to see discussions about these things getting loudly and aggressively shut down by a mob of self-appointed solar punk police who seem to think there's only one answer allowed in the world of solar punk, and it's the one they've chosen. But I have my own mind, and I'd like to hear both sides of some of these issues and make my own decision. Part two of my answer to what I mean by the question must solar punk should, is that as one of the nonfiction editors at Solar Punk magazine, I've been surprised by the number of nonfiction submissions that have been theme and variation on solar punk should do this or solar punk must be that. Oh my gosh, me too. (laughs) I think it probably (laughs) confuses you too, Ariel. Yes. Because, yeah, why would we want to rigidly define rules for a genre and movement whose strength is its fluidity and ability to evolve and provide us with an ever-progressing vision of a future we'd like to live in? Right. I mean, it's important to have opinions. But having an opinion isn't the same thing as laying down rules that people have to bend to to belong in a movement that rejects both authority and forcing people to do things. So I guess by must, solar punk should, I am asking how we keep solar punk true to its ideals without laying down steadfast rules that choke off avenues of exploration that may or may not be important to its evolution mean, you don't know until you've explored them speaking for myself, rather than having people lay down strict rules about specific things for solar punk, I'd much rather see people expending their mental energy, fostering discussions about things they think would be good for solar punk to do. That, to me, is also the exciting part about science fiction in general, and solar punk in particular. Mm -hmm. This possibility to explore the good The Bad and the Ugly of New Technologies, Discoveries, and Social Developments. Yes. This includes figuring out how we could bring the good ones about and what avenues and opportunities, good and bad, they would open up for people. Because people find shortcuts, hacks, loopholes, and ways to exploit things that result in all sorts of unintended consequences. This, in addition to fostering hope and giving us an attainable vision of a wonderful future, is one of Solarpunk's greatest potential gifts to the world and a good part of the fun of reading and writing Solarpunk. But shutting down discussions that people are interested in having and having rigid rules is not how we go about doing this. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, so I think
1: that gives me and hopefully our listeners, a better idea of where you're coming from with this idea of must solar punk should. So I, and I, I want to say I'm, I'm right along with you, especially on the note of being a nonfiction editor and getting a lot of, I guess you would call them manifestos that say solar yeah, punk that's is. Yes. They say solar punk is, is this, 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 and this thing. And it's like, well, but is it, you know, like that might be your experience of solar punk and that's valid, but my experience of solar punk might be completely different. You know, solar punks, uh, come from all walks of life from all around the world and all have very different experiences. And so I think it's important to think about the fact that when you're saying solar punk should do this and solar punk should do that, are you taking into account the fact that maybe some people have just discovered solar punk and are like, what is solar punk about? And then like having an article that says solar punk is doing this, this, and this thing, but I think it should be
0: doing this, this, and this thing
1: can be rather confusing. I wonder what you think about that.
0: Well, and alienating. I mean, to me, solar punk is inclusive. And when you say you have to believe in this and you can't engage in any of these things, and, and then you start to turn off a lot of people who could help you bring about a better future and who could give new ideas to you. So, I mean, I think being too rigid is a bad thing. And and also to me, it just it seems very not very solar punk to be saying you can't do that. It seems like...
1: Well, Solar Punk is about community and collectivity and working together. And I'm sorry, but communities and collectives are never going to be full of everybody that you love all the time. <laughs> You're going to get really <laughs> annoyed with other people because people are different and people have different ways of thinking that things should be done. And they have different learning strategies and they have different doing strategies. And Some of those are going to be very complimentary to the way that you work, and some of them are going to be very abrasive to perhaps the group in general. And it's worth it to do the work, to sit down with other people and talk through what their values are and where they're coming from and what they believe in order to be able to work together better. And how do I... I guess, bypass that or not bypass it, but but work through it with another person. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm speaking completely hypothetically at this point. Mm-hmm. Um-
0: <laughs> okay. But, you know, it's not by saying you can't do this if you want to belong to this community or yeah. or does it mean that, right? I mean, communities do have rules. I, but think- how, I guess it and solar punk also has rules. I mean, I'm not saying it shouldn't have some rules, right? Because, and it has to have some standards, but I'm just saying we shouldn't too rigidly define them and yeah. people shouldn't shut other people down. I mean, like I said, there are things that are beyond the pale, but for the things that are not beyond the pale, then there has to be room for discussion. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think there has to I be think. room for learning and growing. And having grown up in a religious community, there were a lot of you should do this and and you should do that and you shouldn't do this. Some of those rules made sense to me as a child, and a lot of them didn't because I didn't understand some of the, I still don't understand the logic behind them, but a lot of them, I just didn't, it was never explained to me as to why we don't do a certain thing. And it's only now when I'm older that I realize, oh, there were rules behind that and precedents behind that, that... It really would have benefited me to have had an adult or someone who knew more teach me, sit me down and say, look, this is the reason why we are so heavily emphasizing do not gossip because we, you know, like have had these experiences and they have the possibility
0: to go very, very badly. So I think this, you know, this brings up an interesting point. Do people think of solar punk as being sort of like a religion? I know a lot of people who were were punks in their teenage years kind of quietly viewed being punk as being part of a religion. And yeah, whether or not that makes sense is a whole other issue. And I don't have an answer to that. But yeah, well, it's, it's, is solar punk sort of like a religion? I honestly
1: think that some people do come to solar punk kind of as a religion. It has its own aesthetic. It has its own narratives. It has uh, an eschatology, which means an idea of the end times. And then I guess post the end times. I'm really glad you
0: defined that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I post-apocalyptic scholar here. I, I I think a lot about the end times, okay. <laughs> and um, uh, but it also has you know like a political ideology attached to it. Um, I I used to be on the Solar Punk Reddit quite a bit, and um, seeing a lot of people coming to the Solar Punk Reddit and saying, do I have to subscribe to an anarchist ideology? Do I have to you know like do I have to follow the tenets of Marxism or socialism or something like that? And It seemed like people were sort of trading one belief system for another Uh, seems to be something that a lot of people tend to do. And I, I do think as as human beings, we are hardwired for narrative and we're hardwired for stories that make sense of the world. And that give us a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose and value uh to uh, not only to ourselves but within a larger and broader community and so I do think that solar punk can operate like a religion to some people, and i I don't want it to be a religion that tells you thou shalt not you know um or thou shalt and
0: but I, I mean, but here again, the shoulds came up again mm-hmm. should I be an anarchist, be a Marxist or whatever. And why do people want that? I would hate it if I had to follow rules. So this really baffles me. I was teaching
1: a class uh, years and years ago, um, and it was just your basic English 102 class uh, where I was teaching critical thinking and I was going through a novel I think it was Frankenstein, um, and I had the students doing group work where they had to critically think about why one character did something and discuss it with their partner or something. I, I can't really remember the specifics of the entire assignment. However, I do remember that at the beginning, one of the students in the front row turned to me and said, can't you just give me the answer? Can't you just tell me the answer?
0: Uh-huh.
1: And- People really like it when you just tell them the answer because it's a shortcut. Um, it means that they can get on with doing what they want to be doing. So that signaled to me that this class was not exactly a priority for this student. They, oh, that,
0: that lack of curiosity, yeah. the lack of interest in exploring. Oh, yeah, yeah it's I mean, and
1: the student did, you know, like it was sort of a, a half-joking kind of, kind of thing. But... It Hmm. also, I think, spoke to me in that there are times in my life when I think like that too, where I say, oh, it's so hard to just figure this out for myself. I just want someone to come in and tell me what to do in this situation because I don't have the knowledge necessary to think about what to do in this situation. And I mean, you mentioned Web3 and NFTs and blockchain, and I have done research into them. And I'm sorry, but I need a guide. I need someone, I need someone who knows more than me to
0: talk to me through these what, issues. You know, talking to you and giving you information is not the same thing as giving you the answer. You know, that's very true. I guess
1: I would not like it if perhaps someone came on to me and and said, I'm an authority in blockchain and here is what you should think about it. Yeah, and Right. I hope that I wasn't that kind of professor. I, I I did try to do. I did try to model not the the what do they call it the the sage on the stage. I tried not to be that person. I tried to be that <laughs> guide on the side. So you know the the answers would come um, organically from the class, which sometimes didn't really work because the class was not super engaged with trying to figure things
0: out. So sometimes I had to do the work for them, yeah, but that's well, fine. You know reading. Reading literature is hard and it is a learned skill. And, and when yes. I go back to books I read when I was in high school and I read them now and it, they're so much more clear now. The things you miss because you don't have life experience or you haven't yeah. read enough and you don't catch all the all the allegories and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't and know I if that was I think the right that's word. really Sorry
1: no no allegories and metaphors and i i think what you said there is really important experience and say for people who come to solar punk if they don't have a lot of experience with it perhaps they're new to the idea of solar punk they're new to this literary genre and it's super exciting it's really awesome i remember coming to this and being like wow i i love this idea And having and and looking maybe, maybe not for teachers, but for mentors, for not for authority figures, but for someone who has that level of experience to tell them, okay, so this is what I have learned about solar punk. And this is not necessarily that I am laying down the rules for you, but let me guide you through this, this ideology or through this issue that we're currently talking about in the solar pump community. And here are some pros and here are some cons. And here is where I stand. But let me be clear that this is just my personal opinion and that I am by no means trying to push my views upon you. Because I think pushing your views on another person is uh, the first step towards a weird authoritarian fascism that I'm not okay with. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well yeah, and which wouldn't be solar punk.
1: No, no. Uh, but you know, I think it's it's important to realize that a lot of people really like having that authoritarian fascist sort of thing uh, to guide them, especially when they're new to something. When you're new and you're confused and everything seems to be coming at you, it's helpful to have someone say, here are the very clear rules that you need to follow to get through this issue. And you don't need to think about anything else. You don't need to muddy the waters. You can just do this and then go back to dealing with whatever is happening in your own life apart from this ideology. And you don't have to expend so much mental energy on it. And I understand that. And it's really, oh, I mean, like it's it's really, really attractive to not huh, have to okay. do the work. That is,
0: just a, that is just completely mysterious to me. That I would have a fit. I would really have a fit. That's my idea of hell. I long for that. And I, okay. I realize that that
1: is very dangerous, but it gives me a certain uh, understanding of maybe where some people are coming from when they are longing for that. I only have that knee-jerk anti-authoritarianism after I've sort of sat down and thought about it and said, hey, I don't really like the way that this is going. Or somebody well, else has said, wait. hey, this is kind Kind of fishy, don't you think? And then so, I will say, yes, yes,
0: it is. Okay. I'm looking again, I'm looking at it as an outsider because I don't work this way, but I can see that this is one of mankind's superpowers because this helps you organize into groups of people who get an amazing amount of stuff done and have an amazing amount of power, right? So it's on one level, it's a neutral thing. Having people who are willing to uh, play by the rules doesn't. To- it's not quite what i'm trying to say here but but to just accept the rules and join with everyone else and do what someone tells them oh yeah i'm you very you can get type a lot done a. that way you can get a lot done for good yeah and a whole lot done for bad exactly so I, you know even as an outsider i see the potential power in it but it, it is easily weaponized mm-hmm. yes yes it is easily weaponized and it it behooves
1: one to really think about why you are doing this type of thing. I'm, I'm very type A. And so it comes naturally to me to make lists and to tell people what to do. And I need to do the work to make myself take a back seat. And say, no, it's, it's okay. Uh, people need to figure this kind of thing out themselves and to be a guide for people and to be there to support them when they have questions, but also to allow people to, to
0: lead themselves. I think we're talking about two different things here because it's one thing to say, okay, I'm in charge of this project and I'm delegating. That's, that's true. A, You know, that's a really small scale thing. But when you've got one person at the top or a small group of people at the top saying, only this can be, and that can't be done. That's a different thing, right? That's, so, and then they're related, but they're at different scales. One is micro and one is very macro. I think the problem is that at that
1: macro scale, they're using rules as their delegates, almost. They're delegating to rules, you know, instead of actual people. Um, what do you mean? I mean, they're they're saying, thou shalt not, or you should do such and such because they're relying on that rule to keep people in line as opposed to um, okay but delegating there's the key to point, right person
0: yeah there's delegating to get things done and there's uh-huh. delegating to keep people in line so i mean uh-huh. i think it's it's tricky right and for so for me when a small group of solar punks says you can't talk about that that's almost verging into delegating to keep people in line To keep the movement pure, and pure is a bad word. Pure is a very bad word unless you're talking about water, and even so, you don't want to drink pure water because it doesn't have any ions in it. It's very bad for you.
1: (laughs) Christina, I'm so glad that you point these things out because, like, I I naturally think these ways, and I need other people to tell me that this sort of thing is is it's not good. You know, like when I'm thinking on that macro scale. It would be so nice if everybody just followed all the rules that I wanted them to.
0: Well, but- of course we all think that. <laughs> oh, we, you know, we should all just get along and be nice to each other. And yeah, in, in, but that's in the my kind universe. Of, that's the kind of utopia would, that people write yeah. about, but they
1: write about the people who don't like it and it becomes a dystopia. Because it's a mandated utopia. A mandated utopia is always going to be a dystopia for some other people who are not fitting in with the so called utopian rules. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when we're talking about a solar punk utopia, I, I always like to talk about solar punk utopias because there's a multiplicity of people. So there should be a multiplicity of good places and good ideas that work for all these different people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but diversity. I mean, this is also, this is one of Solar Punk's, I think, founding features is that, that diversity is good and interesting and fun. It brings you all sorts of different kinds of music to listen to, all sorts of different kinds of art. All kinds of different ways to tell stories, ate lots of different fun things to eat, different ways to dress. And when you're not oppressing anyone and saying you have to follow <laughs> along these rigid rules, then 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 you just have this explosion of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's amazing. Um and-, and is
1: a really great vision. And that's that's what I love about solar punk art, solar punk
0: stories and solar punk music. Is that it? Sometimes I feel like they're kind of converging on a samism, That that's a discussion we can have at another time, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, no. It doesn't I, have to converge. The, the thing is, is that I
1: find a lot of solar punk, well, a lot of the solar punk shoulds tend to be trying to mandate happiness for people or, or really? one person's idea of happiness, maybe this is more of a discussion about how the aesthetic of solar punk tends towards a mandated happiness or the, the affect of solar punk stories tends towards a mandated happiness. I just am, perhaps it's because of my background in religion, but I am quite wary of an ideology that says if you are X, so if you are a solar punk, then you are necessarily going to produce art and stories that are going to be positive in the end. And I do realize that that's kind of the, the definition of solar punk, but I I, well, but I it think it, it veers very close to toxic optimism
0: for me. Yeah. Um, so one thing I find sometimes a little bit missing in solar punk stories and especially solar punk art is there's no drama in it. Or not much or not enough. Like there could be a lot more. Who's writing solar punk thrillers? I'm thinking right now about, um,
1: well, a couple of things. Uh, First uh, is the story by TX Watson called The Boston Hearth Project. And perhaps I'm sort of shilling my own work here, but I wrote an entire academic article about it. Um, at sort of introducing the idea of solar punk and the Boston Hearth Project is actually more of a pre-utopia. It's it's talking about the hard work, um, in fact, the, the illegal and, and hard work that is necessary to be done in order for utopic conditions to take place on a very, very small scale. And so it, it talks about uh, resistance to... Well, uh, basically infrastructure as resistance within, uh, the city of Boston, uh, in a, a near future, uh, 15 minutes into the future. I think it's actually set in 2023. And I analyzed this back in like 2018, 2017, I think. So it was, it was quite, quite, quite near future fiction. And, um, it deals with the, a collective. That are weaponizing this building that this living building that's being built in order to house, uh, the elite in the city to, um, conduct business meetings or, or something along those lines. Anyways, they hack it and, uh, do a guerrilla action and take it over for the purposes of housing Boston's homeless, uh, especially through, uh, TX Watson mentions that The winters have been getting harsher due to climate change and housing is becoming increasingly unaffordable and extremely, uh, the social services are just not there, or if they are there, then they're struggling. And so this is a solar punk action that sort of reclaims the building. And of course it has a happy ending, Um, but the entire story itself is one of struggle. And it's one mm-hmm. of looking at injustice and saying, hey, we're going to do something about this injustice. Mm-hmm. And I found that very, very inspiring because it's not so much set within a utopia, but it's looking forward to utopic conditions. It's mm-hmm. um, enacting utopia in a, at a very small scale, but making a huge difference in the lives of people sort of right here and now and not waiting for some utopia to just kind of magically arrive, which Mm -hmm. I find can sometimes be a problematic hallmark of uh, some kind of eschatological thinking of thinking that once Mm -hmm. the revolution or once uh, the apocalypse happens, then magically everything's going to be better and not sort Mm -hmm. of thinking about how is it going to be better? How are we mm-hmm. in the present going to do the work that is necessary?
0: So right. was that a really popular story? Did it make a big splash? Did people get inspired it, by it? It was published in it was published in one
1: of the first couple of solar punk anthologies, actually, whose name I have completely forgotten. I think it's hang on, I'm just going to look it up. Because I, of course, cited it in my yeah. academic article, and yeah, so you I, know, should I, I saw that there was a link
0: for it in there. Because I, I remember clicking on it, and I'm pretty sure I've read this, but my mind is not exactly a steel trap. It's okay. Sun Sun Vault: Stories of Solar Punk and Eco Speculation. Um, so mm-hmm. that
1: was one of the more foundational, I think, solar punk anthologies that have okay. come out in the past while that have sort of really collected a bunch of stories that kind of. I wouldn't say, well, yeah, no i I will say define the genre
0: because uh mm-hmm. solar punk yeah no, you have to no you have to have some a, interest, a right? foundation yes, you have to have a foundation, solar punk grows, right, yes. so this i mean, I think this is the again, I think this is the dilemma is that how do you keep solar punk true to solar punk what without telling people solar punk has to do this, and solar punk has to do that. Like general things, I think that's fine. And But the, having the specific rules about specific things, I think are bad. That's that's my idea. But maybe you have some other idea about how solar punk stays true to its roots.
1: I think solar punk... As it evolves. I think as solar punk evolves, the ethos stays the same. The, the ethics and values of solar punk, of uh, valuing diversity, valuing community, valuing sharing, valuing caring, valuing... Uh, everyone's right to self-determination and valuing the lives of people who are traditionally marginalized, um, valuing creativity and all of that, however it's interpreted, because I think those are values that everyone can hold, but that come through differently depending on the context of where you are located and where you are rooted in the world. And how you express that is going to be culturally different. It's going to be different in whatever community that you're in. It's going to look different under the certain political systems that you're under at the time. But those values, I think, stay constant. And so I think part of the must, solar punk, should is interpreting those values in a way that makes sense to people within a certain context Mm -hmm. of a, a country or political system or location where they are, and then extrapolating and saying, well, this works for me where I am. And thus it should be spread to everybody else and everybody else should adhere to this specific way. And I don't think that's taking into account the fact that perhaps if you're, if you're dictating these, these mores and you live in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and you're not Realizing that maybe someone who lives in Brazil is going to have a very different experience of politics, of culture, of history, of uh, the diversity of people around them, and the ways in which they can set into motion those values of community and those values of uh, the environment and living in harmony with uh, the world around them and ecological sustainability
0: there's well and also people living in those different places have very different needs and and they are going to have very different jobs yes um, and they're going to have to do very different things in order to survive yes and so what so it's maybe maybe a good thing is Okay. Maybe solar punk shouldn't be so judgy. No, sorry. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> you're doing another must solar punk
1: should there. You're, 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 yeah, exactly. us, Christina. <laughs> yeah. Bad, bad
0: me. I'll slap myself on the wrist here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but seriously, I do think that a lot of what Solarpunk has is guidelines of how to put into action the values that Solarpunks hold. And mm-hmm. I do think following those guidelines and learning about those guidelines uh, within a specific context, location specific context, uh, historically significant context, um, culturally specific context is incredibly valuable. And I just think that it needs to be presented to other people as a, for your information, this is the way that we have done things. And this is the way that we know it works. And this is the way that putting into practice these values of community, of ecological sustainability, of diversity, of anti-racism, of uh, queer positivity, that sort of thing, have worked within the situation. And this is not me telling you, oh, now you should go out and live your life exactly as I dictate, but saying, here are some helpful tips to knowing how to navigate as a solar punk within your context right now,
0: if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Okay. So we need to communicate with each other. And that means both talking and listening and being patient and not jumping on people when they say something we think is a bit... Um, yeah. Unless it's really, but, um, and <laughs> well, again, yeah, the, sometimes the idea. Giving people, sorry. And just sometimes giving people the benefit of the doubt and also letting people make mistakes from time to time. Yes. I mean, I think that's not just good for solar punks. I think that's good for everyone. And it's something we're not really doing in this day and age. When I think of all the stupid things I've said, because I always say stupid things, um, I'm the, the queen of saying stupid things or saying things that, sound very different from what I mean. You know, and people shut doors in your face if you do stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) And if sometimes I just think if people could just give me the benefit of the doubt or ask, excuse me, what did you mean by that? Yeah, I I think that extending a measure of grace to people,
1: figuring out who they are and People are figuring out how to be in the world. The world isn't exactly a place that stays the same all the time as we know all too well here in North America, but figuring out how to adapt constantly and learning constantly about how to be in the world and how to be in relation with other people, it's an ongoing process. The jumping on people and saying, well, if you're really solar punk, you should know that, 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 you know, um, is I think not giving people the benefit of the doubt and not giving people the grace or the time to perhaps reach out and learn for themselves.
0: Yes. About an exactly. A certain issue. Exactly. Um, we all have to grow. Yeah. And. Yeah. And you can't grow when you've got strict bumpers on the other side of your bowling lane.
1: When you're afraid yeah. to go outside of those bumpers,
0: if you're afraid to say something. Ah, when because, you're afraid to talk about something. Yeah. Because
1: you're afraid of offending someone, um, when you're afraid of other people jumping down your throat. I, I'm i an advocate of, of of safe spaces for learning, for saying stupid things for saying things that maybe you shouldn't ever say to people outside of a learning situation. But it is important to be able to, I guess, articulate your thoughts in the moment and then have a compassionate and kind and
0: graceful calling in. Pushback. We learn by having people say, that's over the line, that's unkind, that's hurtful to other people, or that doesn't make sense. Right, exactly. but that's how we learn, exactly, and you know you sh- you you're not advocating going out and saying horrible things to people who who would be hurt by them. That's not no, what you're advocating here, no, but to bring this back to my solar punk should sometimes I feel like when all of these mobbing events break out, there are people in there who are enjoying it. I can't shake that feeling this is This is the part where I can't understand that. I don't understand
1: why people would enjoy that.
0: But some people do. Yeah, I'm with you. It makes me sick to my stomach to watch these things, and to be a participant would really—I would be completely revolted and and horrified and disgusted. But some people enjoy it. It's just the way humans are made. <laughs> so I also—I guess I didn't bring this up earlier, but this is one of the aspects of of people who lay down dictates. This is one aspect of it that that worries me because this is also how you end up with tyranny because people enjoy oppressing other people in small ways and in big ones. You see it even in families, right? And you see it among groups of friends and, and it's, it's at all levels of human society. And it will be something one has to always deal with in a in the, in the utopia because you can't just get rid of it. It's just how people, some people are built and it's tricky. It is very tricky. That reminds me of
1: N.K. Jemisin's short story called The Ones Who Stay and Fight. And it's a short story that's written in direct, uh, as a direct follow up to Ursula K. Le Guin's The Ones Who Walk Away from Amalas. In Amalas, uh, just very briefly for our readers, if you're not familiar with it, it's a fantastic story. You should read it. Um, But spoiler alert, it's basically about uh, Ev a perfect utopian society and she spends the entire time describing how wonderful this society is and it's very meta it's great when you're wanting to teach world building or something like that however the the condition for utopia of amalas is magically tied to the oppression and destitution of this one single child who is kept basically locked in a broom closet and fed through a slot in the door. There's no human interaction, nothing like that. Um, and the child is, is completely miserable and the child has to be miserable. Otherwise the utopia of Amelas will crumble and Le Guin never oh, that's really, fiendish. It, it is fiendish. It's, it's such a gut punch. The ones who walk away are usually that's a very
0: selfish utopia.
1: Yeah. And it was written uh, in the 1970s, I think, um, as, as a thought experiment and, and crucially the ones who walk away, um, every single Mm -hmm. child in Amalas, when they reach a certain age is brought to see this destitute child, uh, so that they know because the precondition for utopia is that they have to know the, the, the price for which the utopia has come about and the cost of utopia. And the ones who walk away are the ones who cannot bear this price. And so they walk away. And Le Guin says um, she doesn't know where they go, but just that they don't want anything else to do with the society. And N.K. Jemison's The Ones Who Stay and Fight is I just read it recently and I'm not as familiar with it as I am with the original. However, it's sort of an augmentation of this saying that, yes, there is a utopia, but it's an actively managed utopia. It's not one that exists because of some magical contract that relies on the oppression of a single person for it to exist, Mm -hmm. but instead relies on the management of uh, the people who are as in charge as you can be in this utopia, which doesn't actually have a centralized government so much. And they're they're basically social workers um, who, whenever there is a conflict within this utopia, take uh, the person aside, and um, have that conversation of calling them in and saying, "Hey, here are some of the issues with what you've what you've said or what you've done. That here are some of the choices in front of you." I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna mm-hmm. have to read it yourself. Okay, no. But it it directly contrasts itself with Amala's by saying that you mm-hmm. know it's not a it's it is not like the lazy utopia of Amala's. It's the, the the ones who walk mm-hmm. away in this story, they don't walk away, they become part of this social worker force. And mm-hmm. they uh, mm-hmm. become part of the people who manage this utopia and who say, I cannot bear the preconditions for utopia mm-hmm. that rely on an oppressed person, an oppressed class, an oppressed mm-hmm. group of people to make it so that utopia exists. I'm going to try and work our way through this. And I find that much more realistic and Mm -hmm. much more solar punk, honestly.
0: Yes, it's an interesting idea. And I think this is also very relevant for the time we are living in now, especially if you live in America, (laughs) Um, is that you have to actually actively work on your... Uh, what's the right word, your social system, your political system, you have to, you have to always, you know, maybe fight isn't the right word, but maybe fight is the right word. And I think this is an interesting role for solar punk is it, it can also be used to build structures and, and maintain them for living in a, in a, in a better world that has solved so many of the horrible problems that, the, the horrible systemic problems um, yeah. that we've run into or maybe not even run to, men have always been there. And yeah, again, how do you do that without going muscle or punk should? But, but I think you do this through listening to each other, by communicating, by yeah, getting people to work together. Yes. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. That sounds like a good note to end on. It's been very fun talking about this. We definitely yeah. could keep going for hours, but we, we won't. We won't. <laughs> yeah we'll we'll be
1: kinder to uh, our listeners and uh, maybe, maybe uh, so wrap I guess this we should now. say thank
0: you for thank you for listening, thank you for bearing with us. I yeah. hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have stuff to think about. I hope you have things that you went yes and things you went. oh no. Um, <laughs> otherwise we failed. And that's a wrap for our first ever episode. I hope that you found the discussion interesting, informative, and and not too infuriating. Leave us some comments on Twitter, or drop us an email. In closing, thank you for listening to Solar Punk Presence, a series embedded within the Solar Punk Futures podcast, written, hosted, and produced by Christina Della Rocha and Ariel Kroon. This podcast is a part of Solar Punk Magazine, which is published by Android Press, which is located on kalapuya Ilíhi, the traditional indigenous homeland of the Kalapuya people. Today, descendants are citizens of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde Community of Oregon and the Confederated Tribes of the Silates Indians of Oregon. The opening and closing music for Solar Punk Presence is Water Cooler Gang by Monkey Warhol and is available for use under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. So, Thank you again for listening, and until the next episode, stay solar punk.